you're listening to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you conversations for the health of all things. In these special episodes, I am joined by guests on the show to explore how the osteopathic concept presents in their lives and learn about their personal and professional stories. Ranging from osteopathic physicians to those familiar with osteopathic treatment to those associated with osteopathic medicine in a variety of settings, these conversations provide new perspective on lighting the way for the path to best health. Please note that while I am a physician and may interview other physicians, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Welcome back to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey here with an episode of Conversations for the Health of All Things. And today I'm joined by Dr. Janika Benoit, better known as Dr. J on social media. She's a board certified internal medicine physician and sports medicine specialist. She's also the CEO of MedFit DO, where she helps people with chronic disease who are sick and tired of taking pills use exercise to get rid of them. Thanks so much for joining me here today. I'm so excited to hear more of your story. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be on this Osteopath Life. <laughs> yeah, well, let's start at the beginning. And I understand some of the beginning involves one of our origin spaces in osteopathic medicine. Yes, yes, yes. So for me, I, uh, so I, you know, obviously went through, through college and getting into medical school was really tough for me. I actually took the MCAT five times. Okay. <laughs> and on that fifth try, I got interviews only from DO school. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, I, I had a really strong resume. My, my resume really showed that I, I was interested in being a physician. There was no doubt. I shadowed all the doctors, all the different specialties. I had a strong GPA. My biggest hurdle was the MCAT. Mm-hmm. And all the, all the medical schools that wanted to interview me were from DO schools. And I thought, how interesting was that? Mm-hmm. That the DO schools wanted to give me an opportunity, Mm -hmm. right? And I eventually landed at the Kirksville College of Osteopathic Medicine in Kirksville, Missouri. And Mm -hmm. I'm originally from New York City. And I was like, oh my gosh, where am I? (laughs) (laughs) What is this place? There's uh, only one Walmart. (laughs) There's like one park. (laughs) And I'm like, where am I? This is going to be an interesting experience, but I'm super happy to be here because I have been waiting for this moment And I, you know, from medical school, I didn't know where I'd end up, but I ended up joining the sports medicine club. Mm -hmm. And in the sports medicine club, I would shadow one of the physicians who would go to all the triathlons and marathons and even the Kentucky Derby. And that's the first time I've ever heard of a derby team. (laughs) <laughs> and I would just follow him around to all these games and races. And I would form OMT with under his guidance. And I'm like, man, this is just so cool. Just being in this atmosphere. That's how I discovered sports medicine. And that's how I become to have a love for musculoskeletal medicine as well. And just the embodiment of all that it incorporates within osteopathic medicine. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. So people are going to want to know at the Derby, were you treating the jockeys or the horses or both? What was happening there? <laughs> oh, so this is the, so it's the, it's the, so what it was, it, it was the, I don't know how to explain it, but it would be girls who would be on skates and they would just like elbow oh, each other. Like the that, roller derby. Roller derby. Oh, I said Kentucky Derby. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, wow, I've, you know, I was so interesting because I did a rotation in Wales as a, a resident or as a student somewhere in my training with an osteopath in Wales and they did, he went and treated horses. So I was oh, totally okay. With you. Okay. Yes. Okay. Roller derby. That was so clear. I was like horses. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But roller derby is a much needed OMT space because there's a yeah. lot of crash yeah. bang happening there. For sure. <laughs> I love that. So tell me about that original call to medicine. Like you said, you knew, right? Your resume, your experience said you were on that trajectory. What was that original impetus taking you there? Honestly, I really say that this call was divinely inspired because most people, they want to go into medicine. Their their reason is I want to help people. And my reason was, I just don't want to be bored and I want to do some big challenges. (laughs) Right. And, but I had no idea how I really love people. Mm-hmm. I was really shy for most of my life. So I would avoid people. But I remember my third year, I had my first third year clinical rotation. It's the first time I was finally out the classroom. And my first time that I went into a patient room and there was a wife there uh, who was the patient and the husband tagged along and it was like honestly so magical because Mm -hmm. I never knew I could develop such an in-depth connection with people Mm -hmm. and I'm like man I was supposed to be a doctor all along like I I didn't know like this what I have this connection with people is a gift Mm -hmm. and that was one of my compliments on my first third year rotation is my bedside manner right Mm -hmm. and my ability to connect with patients and I thought I was just like, and you know, I had this belief that I, I'm shy. Like I don't talk to people. Mm-hmm. I just, I just, I just like to be challenged. That was my thought mm-hmm. for going into medical school. But all along, I really had a love and joy of helping people and serving people and connecting with people and learning more about people. I didn't realize that I was more of a people person than I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> How amazing to have that invitation to self-discovery that you were anticipating in that space. And tell us a little more about what it was like going from New York City, right, into Kersal, Missouri, which we could even look at the population. In my very first episode, my mentor was born there, right? So he was like of Kersal, Missouri, which is a totally different experience too. So how was it adapting to that shift in culture? Yeah, so culture was so different. So New York City, you know, you develop a hard shell, right? (laughs) It's not like all fuzzy feely. You develop a hard shell. You know, you say what you mean. You mean what you say. There's no fluff, right? Mm -hmm. You, you You develop that hard exterior. But when I went to Kirksville, it was just like all, it was so family oriented, right? Uh, I remember one day, well, no, not a day, but for Thanksgiving, I couldn't go home. And the, one of the people in the IT department invited me to her house for Thanksgiving dinner. 
Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is so awesome. Like, I, you know, I probably wouldn't ever do that in New York City because it's just like, mm-hmm. you don't know them. Like, don't do that. Go that person. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know them from anywhere. Right. We learn not to trust people. <laughs> right. But I, you know, I developed a relationship with this uh, woman who worked in the IT department that I was totally comfortable to going to her house. I probably wouldn't do that if I was in New York. <laughs> But I did that in Kirksville and just the, the atmosphere, um, the president of my, of my medical school is, he's still the president, Dr. Kirksville. And I really owe a lot of respect to him because he's helped me also on my journey Mm. to becoming a sports medicine physician. And He's just like one of those, he's like really has become a father figure to me. And I, and I look up to him so much. So yeah, Kirksville was just so family oriented. It just made you feel warm and accepted and loved. Oh, that's so great to hear. Mm-hmm. And then what led you into your specialty, right? So we go through all those rotations and you're developing your bedside manner and it comes time to choose. How did you decide where you were headed? Yeah. Yeah. And I see, I can remember when I was covering those tri- triathlons and covering those marathons and I was just in awe in watching these athletes. I was in awe, just like seeing them just grind it out and just, you know, push through all those miles that they're running through, you know, push through all the different elements because they, it would happen in the winter, in the spring, in the summer, you know, and just seeing their tenacity it really, it really was just so inspiring to see. And I just wanted to be in that presence. Like, I just wanted to sit in the atmosphere. I just wanted mm-hmm. to sit in this, this atmosphere of just, just, just pushing and pushing and striving and uh, getting to your goal and getting to your destination. I wanted to be in that. It was so invigorating to me. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, this, this is what I want to feel. This is, mm-hmm. this is, I like this feeling. I really love this feeling. And I really, you know, with sports medicine, it's very hands-on, right? You get to use your hands. You get to think about, okay, well, this joint moves this way. It's, it's very practical. So I love that aspect of sports medicine and just getting to use my hands and just examining different joints and seeing how things move and doing these different special tests. So that's what led me to sports medicine. Mm-hmm. I love it. And have you found yourself in those same circles of the similar sports or has it expanded through the course of your training? Yeah, I so I typically uh, love to cover marathons. <laughs> so I'm usually covering marathons, although I haven't uh, covered a marathon in a while since COVID. But mm-hmm. yeah, I did my residency in New York City. So I covered a ton of the New York Roadrunners races and I covered the New York City Marathon twice. Mm -hmm. So I love, I just, I love runners. I'm a runner myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm just totally biased. Yeah, I love that. And so as you move through traditional training and then began this expansion into MedFitTO, what drew you there and how have you stepped into that space? Yeah, so... In internal medicine, uh, you know, well, first of all, internal medicine, I really enjoyed outpatient more than inpatient, mm-hmm. which was funny because I thought I would, I would enjoy inpatient more than outpatient. But mm-hmm. 
it brought me back to that that first third year patient that I experienced, right? Mm -hmm. Developing that connection, right? So that's what I love about the outpatient experience is developing Mm -hmm. relationships with people and just getting to know them, right? Mm -hmm. So, but I noticed that in residency, it would just be like, go, 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 go. Like, come on, see all the patients, <laughs> just run through it. And sometimes I didn't get to have lunch. And, and most of the time I would just be on the computer, just like clicking and refilling meds and prescribing pills. And I'm, I'm really just like trying to get through my visit because I have patient mm-hmm. schedules, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. I want to feel how I felt when I was a third year student. Mm-hmm. I want to I I feel... Like I did when, when I had my first patient encounter and mm-hmm. I met that couple and we were just so connected and I got to learn about their story and they, they even showed me wedding pictures. It was really beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that, that, that is how I want to feel. I want to feel like, you know, back when I was a third year student, right? So I noticed that a lot of my patients, they were like, I don't want pills. Like, uh, please, I don't want a pill. And I'm like, no, but you have to. Like, I have to give this to you. <laughs> That's what you told me to do. <laughs> right? Part of the algorithm, right? This is yeah. part of the- <laughs> <laughs> Right? And I just like, I don't, I don't like doing this. I, I want to go back to those osteopathic tenets, right? The, mm-hmm. the body is a unit. It's composed of mind, body, spirit, and it has the ability to self-regulate and heal, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I wanted. I wanted to live out those principles. Mm-hmm. I want, I really want, and I wanted to practice those principles. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed exercising and there's so much evidence that shows exercise can prevent so many chronic diseases. And I'm mm-hmm. like, what? If all these, all my patients are coming with chronic disease. Why don't I just teach them how to exercise? so that they mm-hmm. cannot take all these pills, right? Yeah. Really teach them how to do this. So that's how that was born. So mm-hmm. it was born out of wanting to, you know, go back to that third year experience and mm-hmm. also live out these osteopathic tenets that I learned. Yes. And I love that you found that full circle experience, right? Where you are able to draw on that original space. And I love too, that you're bringing in the feeling. I talk with physicians a lot about that in the practice of coaching and recognizing, right, I felt this way because I thought I was making connection. I was doing something meaningful. I was making a difference and how to bring that through. And so what shifts have you made in your practice in order to start incorporating those more comprehensively? Yeah. So what I do now is that I try to get patients to identify their limiting belief mm-hmm. uh, for not wanting to exercise. And that is the first breakthrough that needs to be met <laughs> because by me just telling that they have to exercise, they're going to be like, uh-uh, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. If they're not mentally ready, they haven't even thought through the mental roadblocks and what that means and, and what it's doing to them. And they're not thinking about the limiting beliefs of how it's not serving them. So I try to get them to get through those roadblocks and mm-hmm. identify them. And I ask some questions. So that yeah. has been the biggest, uh, I guess, biggest win for me on this, mm-hmm. on this path. Yeah. Would you mind sharing what some of those are? Cause I'm sure some of our listeners may relate to some of those oh, limiting beliefs yes. that often come up. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I had this one, um, patient, 
she was young, right? And she had a strong family history of diabetes and hypertension and heart attack. Mm -hmm. And I asked her, I said, well, you know, do you exercise? And they were like, oh, no. Well, I know that I'm eventually going to be on pills or insulin, Mm -hmm. just like my family members. So, no, I don't exercise. And in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, it's just such a limiting belief that is totally not serving her. And mm-hmm. I asked her, what if you can break this generational curse? Mm. Right. Oh. And that, like, to see her eyes just like open, like, oh my gosh, like, I never even thought about this before. It was just so beautiful to see. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the connection that I love. That's the connection that I yearn for, right? That, that genuine connection. It's just, I can physically see her making a breakthrough. Mm-hmm. And that, that was just beautiful for me. So for, for, most, for most, more often than not, I'm making mental breakthroughs mm-hmm. <laughs> and then gradually trying to get them along to get to the point of exercise. Because sometimes it's a process. It's, you know, if they're not, there's, there's, there's stages involved. Sometimes mm-hmm. they haven't even considered it as a thought to even mm-hmm. exercise and move their body. So when they're at that stage, I have to like get through all these multiple layers of limiting mm-hmm. beliefs and all these roadblocks until I can get them to that point. Yes. And I love that you kind of reconnected her to that inherent self-healing capacity, right? So it's always there, but we don't notice or we forget or we imagine it's too far gone and mm-hmm. even connected that healing capacity for the whole family, multi-generational. That's so yes. powerful. It's a legacy. And that's what it, it's a legacy that she can carry on to the next mm-hmm. generation. That's amazing. And what do you recommend or what are some of the ways you can begin those when we might think of as baby steps toward exercise? Yeah. So I tell my patients, can you remember 30 for three? And they say 30 for three. And I said, yes, 30 for three. And I say 30 minutes of walking three days a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that is just a really super easy way to get started Mm -hmm. yeah do they have to do it all at once does the 30 have to come in one chunk no they can even break it down they can Mm -hmm. do small bouts they can Mm -hmm. do uh 10 minutes three times so Mm -hmm. it depends on their their capacity and Mm -hmm. their fitness level yes i love that 30 for three and i like those numbers a good balance there and what about for those who might be willing to make this shift and exercise and still do require some medication? How do you handle that and not have the patient see it as maybe a failure or give up on the exercise if they do still require some meds? Right. Yeah. So, for example, sometimes, especially in you know diabetics, they may be on, you know, at that time, their pancreas may have just be almost burned out at that time. They have to remain on insulin. So for those patients, I tell them that just, you know, celebrate, celebrate your wins, Mm -hmm. celebrate that, you know, you're here, um, you're alive and you're moving, right? Mm -hmm. Just, just take the time to move your body and celebrate in it. Yes, you're on insulin. And I know that you don't want to be on insulin. Nobody loves to be on insulin, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Um, But let's just celebrate that you have the ability to move. You Mm -hmm. have the ability to be here and experience this movement. So that's just a small tip that I try to leave with my patients to celebrate their wins. I love that. So helpful. 
And would you mind telling us a little bit about your running history? You mentioned you yourself are a runner. So tell us a little bit about your running or other exercise ventures of your own. Yes. Yes. So before I was just a recreational runner, I didn't, I did not think to compete at all. And Mm -hmm. then one day uh, I went to, I was in New York city at the time. I went to the hospital, the hospital special surgery and they had a sports medicine summit. It's this really famous uh, sports medicine doctor, Dr. Jordan Metzl. He was Mm -hmm. holding a summit and this summit was for runners, but not your typical runners. These mm-hmm. are runners who were elderly and had cancer, and they were speaking mm-hmm. their stories about how mm-hmm. they ran marathons, mm-hmm. you know, as a, like a 70-year-old or someone with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, I already run. And <laughs> there are people on stage who have breast cancer and are 70 years old and I'm on my twenties and I can't, and I haven't run a marathon. (laughs) (laughs) So when I got home, I signed up for, (laughs) to do the, they they called it nine plus one program. Mm -hmm. So you run nine races in a year and you volunteer one. And the following year you get guaranteed entrance into the New York city marathon. Oh, that's amazing. So that's exactly <laughs> what I did. And that's exactly what I got. Oh my gosh. However, <laughs> that marathon was during 2020. Oh no. <laughs> Are you going to run in the 50th anniversary one then? The one coming yeah, up? Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. So then, um, not, so I'll be, I'll be running in 2020, 2022. I'll be okay. running in. Yeah. So I just, yeah. ex- I extended it uh, because 2021 was just so busy with graduating from fellowship and I had no idea where I was going to end up. <laughs> <laughs> for my attending life. So I was just like, let me just um, uh, have mm-hmm. it go into the following year. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be running the 2022 New York City Marathon. Oh, that's exciting. Well, yeah. I just, one of my friends just finished the six world marathon majors, you know, so he mm-hmm. completed that circuit and I brought it up and I was like, oh, I've done Boston. And I thought, do I want to add the other ones in? But they're also hard to get into, but this nine plus one thing could be interesting way to get there. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. And, and, and they can be, they could be as little as one mile. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I ran, so I ran a half marathon. That was the longest nine plus one race that mm-hmm. I ran, but they can be as, as short as a mile. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So it can be really easy. I love that. And I love that you were inspired by these other individuals going through their own challenges and taking up running. And that brought you to this longer distance. How amazing. Yeah. I love that. So I'd wonder where do you see MedFitDO, let's say in five years, what is it expanding into? What is it becoming? Wow. Yes. I, it's becoming a a new way to talk about exercise and movement in the clinic because Mm -hmm. I felt it was very difficult to do that. Right. Because you're just go, go, go. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I have to be successful all in one visit, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get my patient to run a marathon by one visit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just getting through those mental roadblocks. And with every visit, we can work on something else. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's create a new conversation in the clinic. It is also becoming a movement because medicine has become bombarded with 
the pharmaceutical in industry, right? Mm -hmm. And I really want to bring back that holistic piece, that health and wellness back into the clinic room. So, and, and, I, and I want people to, to know that chronic diseases can be preventable mm -hmm. with exercise, with movement. So it's creating more awareness. It's making people more aware. It's uh, making people less ashamed and less embarrassed, right? They can start mm -hmm. where they are, yeah. right? They can just start where they are. It, you don't have to, you know, be an Olympian. You don't, you don't have to have all the skills. You can just start where you are mm -hmm. and just um, do exercise and then challenge yourself throughout the process. Mm -hmm. And what it does is that it challenge you, challenges you to become a better you. And mm -hmm. it also challenges you to honor your body and yourself, mm -hmm. right? So... I, that's where that's where it's becoming. <laughs> I love that. And I can hear for so many of our listeners who are themselves physicians opportunities to begin to shift that conversation, even just a little bit, a little encouragement, a certain question might be enough to begin to turn the tide away from feeling like your patient did that they are just subject right to their generational history and the fate has already been determined. Mm -hmm. And so I can hear how other physicians can be inspired mm -hmm. by the work that you're doing as well. Love that. Well, tell us where we can find you. And you mentioned Dr. J on social media. Tell us all the ways that listeners can reach out and learn more about what you're doing. Yes. So I am on Instagram at medfitbo. That's M-E-D-F-I-T-B-O. And you can find all my social media handles there because I have a link tree that you, that you can just click and you will find my YouTube channel. I also have a freebie there as well, which is five tips to increase your motivation to exercise with type two diabetes and high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. So yes, those are the ways to find me. Excellent. And I really do feel like osteopathic medicine is having a reprise. I hear it in the undertones in functional medicine and in coaching. And so I think this is such an amazing time to begin to bring the principles, the tenets forward again and mm -hmm. find new applications for them. So thank you for being part of that. Oh, thank you for having me and just sharing my story. Yeah, we've heard so many great ways, but I'd love for you to share with us how you see yourself for the health of all things. Yes, I see myself for the health of all things. Um, so I, I go back to the first tenet of osteopathic principles, and it's the body is a unit. It's composed of mind, body, and spirit. And like I stated that I believe that my work the reason that I'm here has been divinely inspired. So that's mm -hmm. the spirit. And mind is helping patients get through those mental roadblocks, get through those, get through those limiting beliefs so that they can learn to honor their body and um, just love on themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So that incorporates mind, body, and spirit, mm -hmm. which is the first tenet of osteopathic um, principles. Love that. Well, yeah. Thank you for living it and for bringing it to your patients and to so many more beyond. Thank you so much. Well, I look forward to seeing how this grows and hopefully have you back for another yeah. conversation soon. Yeah. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of This Osteopathic Life, Conversations for the Health of All Things. Please take a moment to like, rate, and review the podcast. And if you would like to be featured as a guest or know someone you'd like to nominate as a guest for an episode, please let me know at thisosteopathiclife at gmail.com. Visit the website at thisosteopathiclife.com or visit me on Instagram and Facebook at This Osteopathic Life. Thank you so much for listening.